Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, I think our youth ministry is incredible. We have two kids in there right now and uh, one coming up through the ranks and about to be in youth ministry. And uh, when we're here for that, I might be in tears, just so you know. Um, Anyways, so this morning has been kind of a a strange morning. Um, First off, it's beautiful outside. So online church, if uh, you may not know, it's lovely outside. So um, go See the lights, right? Um, but I, as I was preaching over at Sun City, um, a lady came up to me, and I'm 99% sure she was joking, but she says, you're all of what, 20 years old? What makes you think you can talk about marriage? <laughs> well, first off, I'm not 20, but thanks, you know, um, and... <laughs> I'm going on 16 years of marriage, so uh, I, that, that's more for my wife than me, I'm sure, because she has to deal with me. So um, I may not have all the years of experience, but uh, we certainly have some. So this was a, a good series for, for us, for me, uh, and today's going to be pretty fun too. So we are actually wrapping up this series uh, called Marriage for Better or for Worse, and we've really seen some pretty interesting relationships, especially throughout the Old Testament. We, we saw Jacob and Leah, and, and you throw Rachel in there as well, kind of a strange thing, or Hosea and Gomer, and we can't forget about uh, Ahab and Jezebel, goodness gracious. But in each of these, uh, they're imperfect people in relationship, and that's often what I feel in just about every relationship I'm in. I'm imperfect. And this week uh, isn't really going to be any different. Uh, today, we're, we're looking at a guy named Abram, who later God renames uh, to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, who God renames to Sarah. And just to alleviate the confusion right off the bat, um, those kind of are interchangeable as we go throughout for this morning. But let's take a, a kind of a time machine. Maybe some of you are uh, not married, but you're looking forward to, to being married someday. What, what are you looking at? And for those of you that have been or are married, take the time machine back to before you were married. What did you expect out of marriage? What did you want out of your marriage? See, many of you, you are massively just enamored in love with that one special person, Right? Do you remember the butterflies whenever they walked in the room? Do you remember the butterflies when when you first held hands? See, I I think we, in that moment, in love, we expect that to follow us all through a blissful marriage. All those butterflies, all the way through, right? One day you you would... just have this perfect home, maybe with a picket fence, maybe with a dog, uh, some, uh, a couple children. You ever hear that thing where it's a boy for me and a girl for you? Praise the Lord, we're finally through. Like, that, that, that might be you. You'd have a career, you'd travel some, all of those things. And 
You'd grow old together. And again, the butterflies would just follow you all through. Now, if you fast forwarded maybe five years or, or 10 years into your marriage or 20 years or 30 years or maybe more for some of you, and you asked yourself, like, at that point, what, what would you want out of marriage? If you're, if you're like m- many, many people, you would say, we're just trying to stay married. We're just trying to pay the bills. We're just trying to keep our kids out of jail. Goodness gracious. But it's interesting how your expectations don't always line up with reality. It's interesting how, how your expectations aren't always what actually happens. Sometimes it's better. If that's you, awesome. Sometimes it's worse. But it's rarely what we expected, right? Well, I I didn't actually ask Stephanie this question because I think I was a little afraid of how she would answer it. But I think Stephanie would probably say she expected romance. Dating, flowers all the time, because that's what our dating life looked like. And that's, of course, what she gets to this day. (laughs) Or since she had her own bathroom growing up, I think she would probably say she expected the the toilet seat to always be down, especially in the middle of the night. (laughs) And of course, I never forget to put that thing down. Or I, I think she would say she expected to have a car that was always washed and waxed and vacuumed because her dad, honestly, is just incredible at keeping his cars immaculate. And of course, I, I do that too. <laughs> or maybe in the realm of intimacy, right? We would just know what each other was thinking. There'd be no misunderstandings or miscommunications around that. Or for, for kids, we'd have three perfect kids that, that just listened and made wise choices all the time. And we were always a, we'd always be an in-sync front, never disagreeing on how to raise kids or budget or finances or anything like that. And so basically, I've fulfilled every hope and dream my wife has ever had in what a good husband is. <laughs> Thanks for coming, you guys. Let's pray. No. Of course I'm kidding. Marriage is tough sometimes. Some of you, you're going to think, by this time, I thought things would be so much different. I, think, I, I, I thought it would go this way or this way, and it just hasn't happened that way. And if that's you, you're, you're looking back and thinking, man, this is way different than what I expected. I think the story of Abraham and Sarah is going to speak to you this morning. I, I pray that it does. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, uh, where God speaks to Abraham and says this. He says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then God makes this just incredible promise uh, to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So you're going to have to leave this comfort zone, all these things that you know and love and and you're comfortable with, and you're going to have to go and go out by faith into blessing. And in fact, if you look at the New Testament in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, Abraham is characterized by this man of incredible faith. It says, by faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And so by faith, he followed. But chances are, if you're anything like me, if if we were told to go, if God said, hey, go, 
we'd stop and say, hey, God, I need some details. Could you, could, you, could you give me the itinerary? I need to know what's going on. But here's the thing. God will rarely give you the details. Isn't that true? Haven't you experienced that? God will rarely give you the details. And one, because you may not be able to handle the details. If you knew the details, there's a, there's a chance you may not obey his command to go. And second, God may say, I'm not going to give you the details because the details, if you have all of those, it's not going by faith. So Abraham and Sarah, they get this promise, you're going to be a great nation. In other words, you're going to have lots of kids and lots of grandkids. You're going to be incredibly blessed with children and descendants. But first, you got you to leave this comfort zone and I'm going to lead you into this, this life of blessing. Now, what I find really interesting is if you look at their marriage in the New Testament, again, they're they're characterized by being a couple of incredible faith. But as we'll see today, and we look at their life, there are times when they were just faithless. And we're going to see Abraham mess up and falter in his faith. We're going to see Sarah mess up and falter in her faith. And then we're going to see them together mess up and falter in their faith. But the good news is that even when they're faithless, God is faithful, and he remains faithful. And that's true for us today. So let's look at three things in their marriage that happened when uh, things didn't go as they planned. And the first thing that happens when things don't go as we plan is we can give in to fear. And that's what Abraham did See, there was this famine in the land, and, and the economy tanks, and he decides to uproot his family and move to Egypt. But when he gets there, he starts making decisions out of fear. He gets afraid. Now, verses 11 through 13 say this. As Abram was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. I mean, he started out pretty good. And then he keeps opening his mouth. He says, when the, do you ever feel that way? <laughs> Just should have stopped. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife? I, I kind of felt like that on my wedding day. Like, he got her? How'd that happen? This is his wife? Anyways, then they will kill me, but will let you live. And then in, in verse 13, he basically says, I want you to tell a lie. He says, say you are my sister which is kind of a half-truth because she was his half-sister, which is kind of disgusting, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, that's just the way they, they did it back then. But he says, Say you're my sister so that I will be, be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Now, that's a bit strange, but back then, when you went into enemy territory um, and they liked the wife, they could kill the husband to get to the wife. But what's, what's interesting about this story is that God had already promised, you're going to have kids. And by any biology class, at least that I had in, in high school, it takes a living man and a living woman to accomplish that. But all of a sudden, he's afraid, which tells us at that moment, he's doubting the promise of God that God tells them. And so out of fear, he says, let's lie, because I don't trust God to do what he said he's going to do, okay? And we see this happening in all the time. So many people are afraid and taken off track. Even 
um, people just aren't getting married today. And I think, I think they, they're, they're postponing marriage or not entering into it at all because they're afraid. What if he cheats? What if she nags? What if we can't have kids? What if we divorce? Rather than living by faith, they, they, we're, we're suddenly living in fear. And we see it in marriages too. God's call, calling us to tithe and uh, be generous, but, but what, if, what if we lose a job? What if we can't make it financially? What if we're starting to struggle? Or God's calling us to start a new business or uh, a new ministry or even a, a new small group. But what if, what if, what if? God's calling us to, to foster a child. But what, what happens if we bring this child in and, and they don't get along with our other children? What if, what if, what if? And we, instead of building each other up in faith into blessing, we start tearing each other down with fear. What if? What if? And we talk ourselves out of doing life with God. You ever do that? It happens all the time. And it happened here. So Abraham panics. God had already given him a promise. I'm going to give you kids. But he's like, yeah, okay, but I'm going to die, okay? And he stopped believing the promise. And lived in fear. The second thing is we often get ahead of God. Do you ever get ahead of God? When life isn't going as planned, we, we get ahead of him. God, you told us we're going to have kids. That's great, but we're not having kids. You're, you're taking way too long. God, don't you know I'm tired of waiting on you? So here's, here's the deal. No problem, God. Uh, I'll take care of it. I got this. And that's, that's what Sarah does. It's not in her timing. So she gets ahead of God. Abraham messed up, and then Sarah messes up. In Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. It's a brilliant idea, right? She didn't say, God can do this. God, God can uh, bring about his promises. She said, nope, God, you're not doing it. So I'll get ahead of you and I'll force it. I'll make something happen. I'll bring some action to this. And if you read the whole story, Abraham gives in. He, he sleeps with Hagar. She gives him a son. And man, does it get ugly. It gets nasty, like cat fighting, jealousy, fights all the time. I mean, all because they, out of fear, started making decisions and trying to get ahead of God and forcing something before it was his timing. And again, this happens all the time. You, you may see it in marriages. There's a young couple in their 20s, and they look at their parents and all they have in their 50s, and they say, oh, man, I want to live like my parents. And instead of doing it um, and managing their money like God's word says to, they, they just have a financial noose around their neck that, that is strangling them, that that uh, they're paying or living paycheck to paycheck for 20 years, 30 years, because they didn't wait on God's timing. They forced it. Or you might see a woman who's married to maybe uh, somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, and all she wants to do is share her Savior with her husband. And instead of waiting on God, instead of winning him over with godliness and patience and gentleness, she kind of gets up in his face and you need to go to church and you're not this and you're not that and all of those things. And instead of drawing him closer to God, she pushes him away from God. Or a guy, a guy hates his job and instead of waiting on God to provide a new job or to, 
pray for the situation. He hates his boss. Instead of praying for that situation and seeing what God can do, he quits. And nine months later, he's unemployed and wondering why he can't pay the bills. Because we get ahead of him, and it's so dangerous. And so Abraham and Sarah, they panic. They get ahead of God. And here's what we have to remember. And you may have heard this before. God is rarely early, but he's never, ever late. His timing is perfect. He's the God of perfect timing. And so a lot of times we panic. This isn't happening. Where is he? God, what are you doing? And we feel like we've got to do something. And so Sarah panics. It's not, it's not happening the way she wants it to happen. And so she gets ahead of God. And when things don't go as she plans, it's so easy to start making decisions out of fear. It's so easy to get ahead of God. And then the third thing is we don't believe God will do it for us. You ever have that thought? He may do this for you. He may do this for you. He may do this for you. He may do a miracle in your life, but I don't think God's ever going to do that in my life. And quite honestly, like, if we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, I can understand why Abraham and Sarah would feel this way. Because the verses we're about to look at come 30 years after the promise God made them. Think about that. God says, you're going to have kids. And I imagine them, like, decorating the nursery and getting everything ready, painting the walls. And a year goes by, and it's like, huh, I thought it would be by now. I thought it would happen by now. Okay, six, six more months go by. Maybe we should go to the doctor. Maybe we should get checked out, something. Two years, four years later, eight years later, 20 years later. And all of a sudden, you can understand, you can see how easy it would be to lose faith in this situation which is what so many of us do. And it's interesting because once God speaks again into this, it's interesting what Abraham and Sarah both do because God gets a bit more specific in Genesis 17. He says, you're going to have a son. And the Bible says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? In other words, God, I'm 100 years old. Things don't work like they used to. Maybe a, maybe a few years back, I would, I would understand, but I'm not seeing it right now, God. And Sarah responded the exact same way. She overheard God talking uh, in verse 12 of chapter 18. The Bible says, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And she, you can almost hear it, but she's being so sarcastic. And we see God uh, answer, he says, so, um, she's being very, yeah, we see God say to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm, I'm old? And this is so important. We see this in the, in the next verse. God asks this question that I, I believe just woke them up to reality. And I hope that wakes us up too. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, I think something shifted in their faith at this point. Oh, yeah, you are the God of the universe. Oh, yeah, you, you did say anything is possible. I can take you at your word. I can trust in your promises. And I want to say I, I know there's lots of people who 
uh, want to have children and haven't been able to conceive. And I, I just want to acknowledge how, how painful that can be. But I also know a lot of people lose faith through something like that. And I would say, do you really think anything's too hard for God? Those of you that would say, would, would, we will never, we could never be blessed with children. We could never afford to adopt. We're never going to be able to do that. And we're never going to be able to pull that off. Do you, do you really think there's anything that's too hard for God? Or we're in a financial mess. We're, we're never going to be able to climb out of it. We're, we're always going to hurt. We're always going to struggle. Do you really think that God can't handle that? That, God, that? that God's not big enough to handle that? That anything is too hard for the Lord? Well, Jason, you just don't understand. You don't understand my husband. He's never going to be a godly man. He's never going to uh, make wise choices. He's never going to do X, Y, or Z. You don't know my wife. She's this or she's that. Do you really think God can't handle that? Our kids, they're just a little off, right? I don't, they're, they're just not making right decisions. They're never going to get it right. Do you think God can't work in that? But our marriage is just, it's done. We may stay together for the kids, but we're never going to have that special something. Do you really believe that God can't handle that? that that's too big for God to handle? Have you really stopped believing that anything is possible? See, when we say anything with God, doing life with God, anything is possible, that's for you. And that's for me. Anything is possible. If you want to live the best life possible, you live it with him. And watch what he does. So as we wrap this thing up, those of you that are in a marriage where maybe it's not what it should be, if there's one common piece of advice that is woven through this entire series, it's this, invite God into the center of your marriage. Invite him into the center. That's the whole deal, like, summarized in one sentence. Invite him into the middle. Like, hold hands, say, God, I, we've been distracted with all this other stuff, but we invite you in to our marriage now, into our relationship now. And then hold on, watch what God does. Trust God to do what only God can do. Especially when life doesn't turn out as you plan. Hold on to him. Why hold on to anything else but God's faithfulness? Because the good news is even when we're faithless, even, even if you're faithless right now, God is so faithful. And he wants to walk through life with you. He wants to walk through pain and hurt with you. And lead you into blessing a life lived with him. Now, I want to read to you, this is such good news, in the New Testament, how Abraham is described in, in Romans 4. It says, without weakening in his faith, right? Something happened there. Some, some transition happened because without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully, not partially, but fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Don't waver in your faith. No matter what's happening, if life doesn't go as you plan, don't waver in your faith. Embrace him, hold on to him. Because he's faithful. Invite him into every aspect of your life, especially your marriage. 
And watch as he leads you out of the comfort zone sometimes and really into a place of blessing, a life together lived with him. And watch him do what only he can do in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships, in your work, in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're saying to us uh, this morning. God, I ask that you would uh, just do a miraculous work in hurting marriages, uh, God, in, in people that are looking to the future to be married. God, that their whole faith would be in you, that they would invite you into their marriage on a daily basis, that you would be enough, that you would be everything they need. And God, uh, for those that have a marriage that isn't what it should be, and that's so many of us, we ask that you would be the center of those two, that we'd build this around you, especially when life doesn't go as we plan. God, give us wisdom to, to trust that, that anything is possible for us in our, in our relationships, in our marriages, when we do life with you. God, we love you. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Go trust God in your relationships, in your marriages. Invite them in. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.